Good morning, brothers and sisters. Thanks for being here this morning. I'm Jason Davis. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Charleston Baptist. Uh, we are going to be in Hosea. Uh, this morning we are wrapping up our, our time in Hosea. I am so thankful, and I hopefully you are too, to have a pastor who is willing to go through a book like Hosea. There are many pastors and there are many churches that would never touch a book like Hosea, the themes of it, the difficulty of it. But our pastor has been faithful to the word of God to preach it, to proclaim it, to call us to live in light of it. And I'm so thankful for him for doing so. And as we wrap up this morning, we are truly going to see redeeming love. This book, the, 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 the title of the series has been Redeeming Love, and we are going to see how God, through Hosea, wraps up this book with some amazing redeeming love. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been waiting on something to return? Maybe you've been like me, and you, uh, you have a favorite restaurant, and you're waiting on the return of that favorite dish. Uh, I'll be honest, for me, uh, um, Taco Bell is my favorite place, and so uh, there are sometimes they, they run a... Miss Janetta, don't look at me like that. I saw that. Um, but there, there are times where they run a special, and you're like waiting for that, that, that thing that you love to return, or, or maybe that's not your thing, or maybe you're that, that TV series. Maybe it's that you're just waiting for that TV series to return, right? You're waiting in anticipation. Or maybe it ramps up a level of seriousness. Maybe you're waiting for that loved one to return from work. Maybe it's them returning that day, or maybe it's they've been deployed, or maybe they've been gone for a long time, and you're waiting for them to return. Or maybe you're waiting for the return of a simpler life. And you just remember back when man, life used to be, and all life was... And were you just long or waiting for a simpler life? Or maybe you are much more deeper and much more spiritual than myself and Taco Bell, and you're waiting for the return of Christ, and you're just longing for the return of Christ. All these things, we're waiting for a return. And this morning, we're going to look uh, in Hosea chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there should be one in the seat in front of you, underneath the seat in front of you. It's on page 846. We're in Hosea chapter 14, verse 1. He says, return, return. And, and when, when this is talking about return, this is God beckoning and calling and pleading with the nation of Israel to return to him. But God's call of Israel to return is not because he needs them. It's not because he needs that burrito, right? It's not because he needs to watch that TV show. It's not because he needs that person to come back to help with the family from work. But it's that he loves them and that he has good things for them. We're going to see what he does for Israel and how he encourages them, how he tells them to return to them. See, God in his grace and mercy we see here on full display because as we have read as pastor kevin has preached through the book of, uh, of hosea we have seen that the nation of israel is not worthy has not been the uh the nation that has done all the right things they have done many many horrific things many many things that have burdened and broken the heart of god but this is how god treats them he doesn't treat them as one who is, I will cast you away forever. But he's saying, return. Because you need me. Because I have blessing for you. 
Because I love you. Here, here it is. Uh, uh, chapter 14, verse 1. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. And read through verse 3. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, and we will say no more our God to the work of our hands. In you, the orphan finds mercy. We see here true repentance. When he's calling them back to himself, he's calling them to repent. He's calling them to true repentance. What does it mean to say true repentance? Can we just say repentance? No, there's, there's a true repentance. There's many that will have a, an attitude or an outward expression of repentance of saying, I'm sorry. There are many people that we have seen in the news that will say, I'm sorry that I did this or that. And what they're really saying is, I'm sorry I got caught doing this or that. We are masters of self-justification that will repent and say, I'm sorry, but it was really their problem and it was really their fault. They're the ones that took me down this road and I, just, I was just doing what they were doing. It wasn't really my fault. I mean, I, I think about as a kid growing up, I mean, I would blame my brother. I'm not the one that was wrong. My mom and dad over here, they can tell you. I was not the one that was wrong. It was him. I was innocent. See, that's false repentance. I was saying, yeah, I'm sorry, but it was their fault. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I shouldn't have done that, but God, you shouldn't have put me in that position. You shouldn't have put me in that spot. No, God is calling Israel. He's calling them to true repentance. And Hosea shows us elements of true repentance. In this first verse, we see that there's a call to return. That God, God is beckoning them. He is coming after them. That he leaves the 99. Remember that story from the New Testament? That he leaves the 99 and goes for the one. And he, he goes after Israel. He doesn't just abandon them. Return. And then, oh, Israel, he establishes their identity. Their identity. There are Israel. He is claiming on them. He is proclaiming to them, you are Israel. You are the people of God. Return. Think about you right now. What is your identity? Is it wrapped up in a work? Is it wrapped up in a family? Is it wrapped up in all things that are, are temporary? Or is it wrapped up in the eternal? Is it wrapped up? Is your identity wrapped up in child of God? When we return to him, when we repent, when we have true repentance, our identity is not in that sin. Our identity is not in the things that we have done wrong. Our identity is in God. He establishes our identity. And then he says, where are they to return? He doesn't just give them, just return and start doing religious deeds. But he says, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. He said, me. Return to me. Not just religious acts, not to the temple, but to me. Come to me. I love you. I want you. I desire you. And so many times, many of us need to hear that from the Lord this morning. That you are loved. That you are desired. And he is calling you to return to him and not to find your identity in anyone else or anything else. See, true repentance 
is saying the words of God. Listen to what, what it says. It says, verse 2, Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, Take away all iniquity except what is good. And this take away all iniquity and accept what is good is that I agree with you, God. What I have done is wrong. I have sinned against you. True repentance isn't blame shifting. True repentance in self-justification. True repentance and says, I agree with you, God, and I have sinned against you. This sin that I have committed is against you, my God, my Father. And he says, take away all my iniquity, accept what is good. We will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. He's saying it's not just with, with verbs. There's an action. There's a heart that follows. There's a sacrifice that follows. That is not just a empty words, but it's words with actions. And in Hosea 6, 1, it says this. This is where Hosea, there's a, what seems to be repentance from Israel but what we find out is that it's very empty. It is just words. Listen to this. It says in Hosea 6, 1 through 6, it says, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know. Let us press, to, press on to know the Lord. He is going out to sure Sure as the dawn, he will come to us as showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. And that sounds really amazing. It sounds like, oh man, they got it. They got it. They, they're repenting, they're turning. But then you read next verse, verse four. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. Therefore I hoon out I hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and my judgment goes forth as the light. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifices, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. They were empty words. They wanted to appease God, but also have their idols as well. They want to say, we are worshiping Yahweh, we are worshiping God, but just in case he doesn't show up for us, we're going to worship Baal, and we're going to sacrifice to Baal. We're going to cover all our bases. And, and, I, and when I study, and when I think about the nation of Israel, I have been often quick to think of, how slow are they? How, how can they do such a thing? How can they be so foolish of they're willing to worship God here and then they're willing to worship Baal over here? Don't they see how contradictory that is? How blasphemous that is? How insulting that is to the, the Lord that they say they love? But then I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit and when the Spirit tells me of, Jason, you've done the same thing. Don't, don't be so prideful that you haven't done the same thing. I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I can't come, on, come down on them except that to live in light of the gospel, to live in light of his word, of to repent and have true repentance. Not like them, not like the ones that they did. True repentance. Repentance from specific sins. 
See in verse 3, Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses. When we repent, it's not to repent in general. God, forgive me of my sins. Well, which ones? What sins? And it's not that God needs a reminder of what you have done, but there's a difference between repenting in sin, of sin in general and repenting of specific sins. When we bring it before the Lord and we say, I repent of my pride, I repent of my thoughts, I repent of my greed, that is different than saying, I repent of any sins I may have ever committed. And think about in our own relationships. I think about my relationship with my wife that I can say I'm sorry. Well, what are you sorry for? I don't know. I'm just sorry for something. I'm sure I did something wrong. I'm just sorry. So does that make us right now? No, it doesn't. That doesn't heal the relationship. That doesn't heal the bond. And some of you are probably thinking like, man, I tried that. It didn't work for me either. But, you know, we, we try to just throw it out there and say, all right, I just want to cover my bases and I'll just repent of, or I'll just say I'm sorry for everything. But no, he, he wants us to be specific because it brings to mind what we, how we have transgressed him, the sins that we have broken. They were saying they're idols, could not save him. Assyria shall not save us. We, we will not ride on horses and we will say no more, our God to the work of our hands. They're saying, I give up my, my idols here that I worship. I give up my idol of security. Because what it's talking about here is that they were looking to Assyria to save them. They had enemies around them. And instead of saying, God, if you don't come through, we are dead. Instead of saying that, they, they thought to themselves, hey, there's a great army over here. They're big. They're massive. People respect them. They have a lot of power. What we will do is we'll make alliances with them. We'll get them to protect us. Instead of resting in the Lord. Instead of saying, God, you have to show up. You have to be the one that saves us. Man, think about if they remembered their history. Like history is important. If they would have remembered their history, they would have known and say, we can trust God because guess what? When we were weak, when we were power, powerless, we defeated the nation of Egypt. Like, do, you, do we see that? That was amazing. They leave Egypt. And this is, a, this is a place that had an amazing army and Israel had no army at all and they were able to leave. Why? Because of their power? Absolutely not. Because of the power of God. See, Assyria cannot save us. We will not ride on horses <clears throat> and we will say no more our God to the work of our hands. We need to be specific when we, when we speak to God about our repentance. Their idols cannot save them, but God can. Ephesians 2, I want to read Ephesians 2, 1 through 9. It says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the, prince, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived, the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of, our, of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Do you hear that? If you are not a believer <clears throat> this morning, that is you, friend. That is you. 
that you are a child of wrath unless, verse 4, the amazing beauty of verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The Israelites if they had only turned to God, he was there for them. He was waiting for them. He was waiting for their return. He loved them. And he's telling you and me, what are you putting your trust in? How are you like Israel and that you're looking to the Assyrian army for, uh, army for protection? Maybe there's something in your life and you're looking to that nest egg for protection. You're looking to that security system. You're looking to your own, your own wisdom and knowledge and power for your security in this world. May I call you to return, to repent of that, turn from that. Or maybe you are like them, the works of your hands. You worshiping the works of your hands. How creative you are or the things and gifts that you can do. But see, they will always leave us. They will always leave us empty. And then at the end of verse three, it says, in you, the orphan finds mercy. In you, the orphan finds mercy. He, he wraps this up in the end and showing the character of God. True repentance sees the character of God. That God is not just a God that is coming to, to share his wrath, to reign his wrath over us when we make the smallest mistakes, but he is a God who cares and gives mercy to the orphans. And guess what Israel was at the time? Not my people. If we remember the book as Pastor Kevin has preached it and read it, that they were called not my people, because of their sin, sin separates us. It divides us. It pulls us away from God. But in him, when we have true repentance, we can and we are his people. And he gives mercy to the orphans. We see the character of God on display. That is true repentance. And then now as we move on, we see true blessing in verses four through eight. Let's read those. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive. His fragrance like, the, like Lebanon. They will, excuse me. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. When we see in true repentance, we see God giving the words and that there should have been a response of Israel. And then we see true blessing 
And God's response to true repentance is true blessing. See, look at all the eyes. Think about it for a moment. In this time, when, when Hosea is giving this hope to the nation, when he is giving them these words to hear, have they deserved it? Absolutely not. They didn't deserve it. But we don't either. We don't deserve the blessing of God, but when we turn to him, there are blessings that flow from him. All good things come from him. It is the work of God, not the work of Israel that we see here. If you, as you read scripture, one of the important things to do is slow down uh, enough to read through scripture and see what, what is God repeating? What does he repeat as you read through the scripture? And there's a, a key word here, not a very big word, but that he repeats multiple times. What is that? It's I, I. And he's talking about himself, God. That he, what he will do, I will heal their apostasy or their uh, backsliding, their waywardness. I will love them freely. I will be like the dew. And then we see the blessings from them. I will answer and look after. I am like an evergreen where the fruit comes from. It is what he does. Again, it's abandoning this thought of if I work harder, if I do better, I will incur the, the blessings of God. If I just help enough people, if I just give enough money, then I can incur, I can get the blessing of God. That's what all the religions want you to do, is they want you to be the good person, do the righteous things, do the good things, and maybe you'll work hard enough to, get, to, aim, to earn God's favor. But we, what we see from Hosea 14 is we don't earn God's favor. We come humbly. We come before him. And we repent, we, we tell him all the things that we have done and we turn from those and we say, I trust you. You will be my provider. You will be my protector. And look what he says here in verse four. He heals, he heals. I think about the story that we're in, Hosea. And there's Hosea and Gomer. And that she, Gomer abandons her husband and she goes after other men. And how she must have been treated as a lady of the night, as a prostitute. How she must have been abused and hurt after abandoning the husband that loves her. But he says, I will heal their apostasy. And he tells Hosea what? To go after her, buy her back. And he buys her back, not to enchain her, not to enslave her, not to abuse her, but to heal her. To heal her because he loves her. He has gone back to pursue her. This beautiful picture of this marriage is also with God and his, his Israel, his people, his bride. And guess what? He loves you. He desires to heal you. Heal from that waywardness, that back, backsliding. And then he says, he loves. He loves them freely. That he loves them without conditions. That he loves them, not if they are a good person, not if they do the good things and earn his love, but I will love them freely, not out of compulsion, not that he has to love them, but he loves them freely. I will love them freely. So he heals them. He loves. And then we also see he nourishes. 
In verse 5, I will be like the dew of Israel. In chapter 6, we read about how uh, they were like the dew of the morning and how it, it went away quickly. And in that instance, it was saying that they had the words, they said sorry, but you just give them a little bit of time and they're right back to their idolatry. They're right back to their worship of Baal. But here, this idea of dew is a gentle nourishing of God. That the, the, the dew that would fall would nurse the plants and give growth. It would be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. And then that we see that he nourishes. And that idea of nourishing brings about the idea of growth and beauty. That he brings growth. And it's not just a outward growth. When we see that here, that there's an outward beauty that is on display through repentance and through the blessing of God. But we also see he shall take root like the trees of Lebanon that were deep and strong. The roots go deep and it goes out and up. And that's what he is calling the people and saying, I will do this for you. When you repent, when you return, I will be a blessing to you. So he heals, he loves, he nourishes, he brings growth, he brings beauty. His shoot shall spread out, his beauty shall be like the olive, his fragrance like Lebanon. When I, when I was studying through this and reading through this, uh, my family, we like to go on walks uh, in our neighborhood, and we've been walking around our neighborhood. Uh, I'm not a, a plant person, so I have no idea what this plant is, but it's a vine, and some of our neighbors have it around their uh, mailboxes. Some have it growing up uh, on the tree or on their fence line. It's this white little flower, but you walk by, and it hits you. You just smell, you're just walking down the street and this beautiful, great fragrance just hits you. And I think about this and it's this unseen beauty that when we're living in light of God, when he blesses us, it's this unseen beauty, this unseen joy. I mean, to think about how we have been created to smell and how there are great smells. Some smells are offensive and they were in our sin, we are repulsive and offensive. But in the light of God, in his blessings, we are a fragrance to the world around us that is desirable, that is loving, that is caring, that is compassionate. That people, when they walk by, they don't know what it is, but there's something different. There's a different aspect about that person that when I'm around them. And here we see that fragrance uh, like Lebanon. He answers. He protects. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon that God desires to protect. See, what Israel was looking for, the, the, the bounty, the fruit, the prosperity, the protection from the enemies around them, the joy, the happiness, all these things that they were looking for, they were looking in the wrong places. They thought they could find it over here. They thought if they just sacrificed the, this God or this God, this God, then they would, they would make sure that they were going to be fulfilled and happy. And here's God again beckoning them back and saying, all those things you wanted, they're only found in me. 
They're only found in me. And guess what, brothers and sisters? They're only found in God today, in Christ. We can only find these things in him. We will search our entire lives for love and healing and nourishment and growth and protection and beauty and answers and care. And we can search all over the world in various aspects, but we will end up wanting. We will end up empty. We will end up proving the word of God, submitting to the Lord and finding it in him. He provides. In verse 8, he answers, he, he cares. Uh, o Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? And he's, he's let them know nothing. Do not bring anything else with you. I want to bless you and you don't need to bring anything. I have everything you need. It is I who answer and look after you. Your idols do not talk. They do not have a mouth to speak. Your idols will not give you the answers you're looking for. I will. He says, I answer you. And he says, God says, I look after you. When you thought you were abandoned, when you thought you were alone, it was I who was looking after you. Again, reminding them of their history. And he says, I am an evergreen cypress. For me comes your fruit. Oh, the amazing beauty of this. That our, our fruit, our joy, everything we are desiring comes from him. Hosea 2.19 says this. Um, Two nineteen, And I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. This promise earlier on in the book that he gave to them is coming to uh, a head here at the end, reminding them it is in him. Come to him. So we see true, true repentance. We see true um, blessing in, in God. And then lastly, we see true wisdom. And it says this, Hosea 14, 9. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them. But transgressors stumble in them. True wisdom. Where's true, true wisdom found? Our world, our culture will say that you can find it over here. You can find it by following this guy on Instagram or watching this YouTube video or in this documentary series. You can find wisdom over here and it points us in all different directions, but where are we to find true wisdom? It is in the word of God. The word of God. Wisdom is found in God's word. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates just for a time, just for one time and then gets to walk away. No, what it says is on his law he meditates day and night. He, God understands how fickle we are, how, how easily we forget. And he tells you and me, he tells the Israelites every day, morning and evening, because it's so important. How are we to live this life that God has given us with wisdom? It's because of his word, meditating on his word. How are we to repent from our idols? It is not by hard works. 
It is by speaking the words that God has given us. It is by truly repenting. I Hopefully you have seen that. We don't need to work harder. We need to have a better vision. Israel's problem is that their vision of God was way too small. Their vision God had shrunk. Their vision of God at one point was this amazing God that had delivered them from the exodus. And it became this, oh, this little God that we put on the side over here. How many of us have done that? Where our vision of God, we still see him, we still know him, but our vision of him has gotten so small that we now turn to other things to satisfy us, to fulfill us. See, out of true repentance flows true blessing and shows itself outwardly through true wisdom that comes from God. You say that again. Out of true repentance flows true blessings and shows itself outwardly through true wisdom that comes from God. Uh, I had thought about singing this to you, but uh, my wife said, don't do that. Um, So as opposed to singing this to you, I am just going to read it to you, and hopefully some uh, will, ha- will recognize this. But this is, a, this is the doxology by Thomas Ken. Um, I was reading a little bit about the doxology. It's something that I had grown up uh, singing every Sunday and uh, has just been in my mind over the years, uh, but didn't realize that uh, he had written this, this guy, Thomas Ken, had written this for his students uh, to remind them in morning, noon, and night of the goodness of God. And it says this, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise God, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let us pray. Father, you are so good that you call us to return. Oh, what a good, good Father we have in you. Because otherwise we would not be able to return. We would not know where to return to. We would be lost without you. Father, thank you for true repentance. And Father, thank you for true blessing. Lord, all the blessing that you had listed out there to the the people of Israel, they deserve none of it. They deserve not one of those blessings. And Father, I think about my own life and I'm undeserving of all the many blessings. To count all the many blessings that you have given me would take forever. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. That wisdom. I don't have to walk through this life blindly. I don't have to try to trust in my own thoughts as weak and feeble as they are. Father, but I can trust in you. I can look to you for that. That I can be wise because of who you are and the word that you have left us. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.